2: 20 minutes a day. 365
3: days a year. This is the Pack A Day Podcast. Hello, and welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Dusty Evely. With me is Steve Perhatch, Sarah Kelleher. I, I don't we don't know what we're gonna talk about. Um so <laughs> hey guys, what what's up? Sarah, how are you? And how did you enjoy the game this past week?
4: Yeah, here we are again, right? The the dreaded off season is back. It feels like that we were just saying it's finally here, the moment we've been waiting for this season, and then just like that, it's all gone. And now we have to have some fun, get a little creative to try to come up with content, but we always make it work. Um, as far as the game, yeah, that sucked. Uh, that wasn't fun. Uh, the Packers really got all of our hopes up uh, for nothing. Um, and, yeah, it was really tough to watch. And, you know, especially at, at home, it feels like the Lambeau field um, asset and that playing a role in the Packers game and just the environment is, is kind of dead now. Um, you know, year after year and big games, teams come to green Bay and they, they beat up on the Packers. So um, it's definitely tough to see, but hopeful that they can turn it around in the future um, but my main takeaway, we were right and we should have never gotten our hopes up.
3: <laughs> what a joyous start to the podcast. Steve, how are you, man? <laughs> doing all right? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay.
2: I actually was lucky enough to get up to Lambo for the game. I had a buddy reach out to me on uh Saturday night at like eight o'clock. He's like, Hey, if I can get some tickets, would you want to go to the game? And I was like, Ooh, um, I don't know about that. And he's like, well, they're club seats. And I'm like,
3: Oh, inside. Yes,
2: I can definitely do that. I can definitely do that. So it was a lot of fun. Like we, we drove up around four o'clock. We got early, we got in early, got in there, uh, kind of walked around a little bit. So, uh, you know, I think this was the second time I've done club seats, but it's been probably a decade since it's been, ha- been there. So I, I kind of walked around and, and did that. And, Really cool setup. It's really a lot of, like, a super nice area. They've got food. They've got drinks. They've got everything you need all right there. And then um, even you can order all your food and stuff off your app from the phone, which is pretty outstanding. Like So it was a really cool setup. Um, the one really weird thing is that you're behind the glass. So you don't really get any of that crowd noise. And it's almost eerie in a way like you see all these people like jumping around and doing crazy stuff and you got one of the nice things I will say is that they did pipe in um, Wayne and Wayne Larvey for like so they had the the radio call that was piped into the, into the the seating so you got to hear that and um, so it was a lot of fun we had a great time outside of the you know end result of the game <laughs> um, you know Couple questionable things that went down, but overall, it was a lot of fun. And, like, I, I, I kind of agree with Sarah like, this is the team that we thought that they were. Like, we we got really excited because they had won multiple games in a row, and we we're like, oh man, they can sneak in the playoffs, it could be like 2010 all over again. But it, it, when it comes down to it, it feels like this was the team that, that they showed us what they were the whole year, and we got really excited at the end because they kind of showed a few glimpses so overall it was a lot of fun um i had a great time but yeah the result kind of sucked
3: agreed agreed so before we move on so steve, steve you gave us your kind of state of the game sarah i know you uh you wrote down some things uh 12 bullet points as it turns out a uh, stroke of luck or unluck, it sounds like so why don't you run down your your feelings during and immediately following that game sarah
4: yeah, pretty much when things started to go south, I just whipped out my phone and, and took some quick notes in the Notes app. And um, at First point, I already said, but I'll just run through them. We are right about this team. Should have never gotten our hopes up. Rodgers absolutely played a part in the team's demise. If he is injured, why do they keep him in so much? Do they really not trust love? Joe Berry dot, 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 I don't even know. Fumbles, dot, 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 horrible. Go- gold zone is gone, so gone. I miss Jamal Williams. Dan Campbell is an absolute madman, and I kind of love it. Christian Watson is for real. When AJ Dillon dropped the wide open pass, I sighed so loud my friend watching it with me said, "Oh con, like you could have caught that." And I actually wholeheartedly <sighs> believe that I would have. Emotional damage. Glad it's over. Still go go though.
3: Yeah, I don't know that I have anything to add. Um, you know that was. <laughs> I think that 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 gives us a pretty good look, and I think all of our all of our mindset there. So, thank you, thank you, Sarah, for that sobering, sobering reminder. Yeah, of what I'm pretty sure I could have got that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, you could have, you definitely could have.
4: I'm not going to get into specifics. I love AJ Dillon, but that was bad. That was really bad.
3: It was not.
2: Great. I saw it from the it was, 400 section. I was like, yeah, I could have got that. That was bad.
3: It was. Uh, Four drops on the day. Actually, I looked up some of these stats. I think Rogers completed. It was like sixty five percent of his pass on the day, or something. His adjusted completion percentage was eighty one percent due to the four drop passes, and and I think all but one of them I, I agree with. So yeah, some some pretty bad drops all around. Dobbs had a really bad one as well. Um, not great, it's just not good. The Dobbs one reminded me a little bit of it, it was different different area of the the. Super Bowl, uh, I guess not Super Bowl, it was the Eagles game, the James Jones one down the sideline that was right in his hands. Like, oh, that could have turned the tide. And then it just, just went right through. So completely different, uh, kind of throw, but it gave me that kind of thoughts as soon as I saw it. So, guys, as we mentioned, uh, listen, there's, there will be playoffs going on. Uh, and you know, the draft is, <laughs> Everyone's firing up the draft on Twitter. Every draft person is now coming out of the woodwork to look at the draft. That's too early for me. But, you know, we are we are in the offseason from Packers' perspective, which means looking for things to talk about. But this week we do have a couple things just because we're still close enough to the season. Uh, we've got a handful of things. So I'll run down real quick. The Packers did sign – 13 free agents to futures contracts. A lot of them with names that, that a lot of you will probably know because it's guys we've talked about. It's Austin Allen, tight end. I think we talked about him two weeks ago. He's just a giant of a man. Jeff Cotton at wide receiver. Uh, Gene DeLance at tackle. Danny Etling at quarterback. Tyler Goodson at running back. Nick uh, Gugamos at tight end. And then on defense is Tyrell Ford at cornerback. Benji Franklin at quarterback. Keandre Thomas at cornerback. Darius Hamilton at linebacker. Chris Slayton at DL. James Wiggins at safety. And lastly, Parker White as a kicker on special teams. So, again, a lot of names. I mean, Goodson was a draft pick last year. Etling has been kind of up and down. You know, he played in the preseason a little bit. We've seen Ladarius Hamilton. Slayton was a popular name in the preseason as well who was making some plays. So, uh, you know, kind of maybe some guys to look out for for, for next year. A lot of those, again, names that we know, but they're all futures contracts now, so expect to see them next year as well. Uh, I guess before we get into, you know, questions and everything, Uh, we will talk about just just very briefly, LaFleur had a press conference today, season-ending press conference, rolled through a handful of different things. There's a handful of main takeaways here. So I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll shoot kind of a bullet point, maybe a quote, and then we'll get reactions. So the first one, the big one that's on everyone's minds, he expects Joe Barry to be back next year. Now, here's the quote. It's my intention to try to have everyone back. I think continuity is a big part of having success in this league. When you feel good about the people, you've got to work to improve, and we've got to challenge each other. I think there's going to be a lot of projects that we're going to do in this offseason that maybe we haven't done as good a job in the past couple seasons playing defense and studying other teams and the trends throughout the course of the league. So, again, that's the big news in terms of like he. it sounds like he expects Joe Barry to be back next year. Listen, some of this Potentially coach speak. Who knows if this follows through? But that's getting the headlines and rightfully so. So, Steve, initial thoughts. I'm looking at you now, and you're staring off in the distance. Just, just the saddest I've ever seen. So, Steve, give me your thoughts. Hello,
4: darkness, my friend.
2: (laughs) I. No, this is like, if you ever have watched the the series Scrubs where Dr. Cox, whenever he he doesn't know what to do anymore, he puts his hands on his head Mm -hmm. and just is like, ugh. Like, how? How can you sit and tell me Joe Barry is the answer? Like, I get it. He made some improvements here and there, listened to the players here and there, and, and changed some things. But, man... You sit there at, the, like, the end of the game. Your season's on the line. It's fourth and, like, one, fourth and two. Let's go zone. Let's go zone and just see what happens. Uh, it just it's – it's been frustrating for forever. And for the amount of talent that the Packers have on defense, like first-round picks, second-round picks, third-round picks, like – okay, maybe not third-round picks. We tossed those ones into the moon. But uh, fourth-round picks, um, it's just – this this defense should be better. They should be better, and I feel like if you bring in a new voice, a fresh voice, somebody who, you know, to quote Malo Florida, like you know, has got that hot piss coming out of him. That's what you want. That's the guy that you want on defense. And Joe Barry is just kind of, eh, we'll get it done. We'll take care of it. You know, zone. We'll take zone. That's fine like that's just that's the feeling that you get from him and man I just I want more. I want more from this defense and especially if you're going to figure out a way to bring Aaron Rodgers back and that's your plan because that's what my, that's what uh, LaFleur said is that they want Aaron Rodgers back, you need a top 10 defense. Like that is clear. He's not that guy anymore. You need that defense. So,
3: yeah, I want somebody new. <laughs> Sarah, you feel like adding anything to anything yeah, Steve I, I just said? I
4: think Steve said it all. I mean, it's it's tough to watch and it's frustrating um, because I think from the start, the hire was questionable. Everybody knew that. This wasn't the Packers' first choice. And now the results are questionable, too. We're not seeing this turnaround. You know, apparently this was the year. It was hyped up all offseason that the Packers' defense was going to be electric, that it was going to be the reason why they were able to have a a deep postseason run and none of that happened and like Steve said it's just really tough to watch because yes you hear that he's listening to players now as the season goes on but at the end of the day even though they there were small changes that were made it just wasn't enough and the defense as a whole just seemed really undisciplined and it, it just wasn't good and you know I get the continuity thing I get what Matt LaFleur is saying there. But at the end of the day, if the people that you're keeping around aren't going to help your team win, then maybe you have to think about bringing in somebody new.
3: Yeah, a couple of thoughts. One, I know the, the, the zone versus man thing, like I get it to some extent. Um, I will say that based on what Detroit is running there, it's less, for me, it's less about... Um, them playing zone and more how you play zone, because some of that is, I mean, they're running concepts designed to beat man. It's they're running rubs at the line. If you're playing press at the line in those, those third, fourth and short situations, you're going to get bumped off. That's, that's the nature of man coverage. It's, it's more about, and this is an indictment of Barry as well, how you kind of play that zone, how you pass off those stuff. Cause it's always been, it's, it's more a problem with communication, communication assignment. Sure. Like that, that was the main issue this year. And that, we just didn't see that get better. So, I mean, there's different ways to play zone where you pass that stuff off. That looks better. Um, and, and they just, they, you know, they just, they did not do it. So don't you, uh, try, I, to, don't you
2: try to tell me that Joe Barry did a good
3: job. No, 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 I'm not saying you did a good job. I'm saying there's, and I've said this before, like there's multiple, like there's, as far as like defensive coaching, offensive coaching, it's more than just like kind of what you're putting out there. I think like, it's not necessarily that the call itself was bad, but it's how that stuff is coached. It's how you're like, again, if you're running man coverage and you've got everyone pressed at the line and they're running rub concepts, which is the Lions were, we're doing, you're getting bumped off. It's, it's the more the fact that like a man is wide open. That's not an issue of zone coverage. That's an issue with, guys not knowing what their assignments and the pass-offs are in zone coverage, uh, which is, which is still an indictment of Joe Barry as a coach. Um, yep. So, yeah. And the other thing, I mean, the there, was, thing, a,
2: there I mean, was the other one, what was it like the fourth and two where Jair was like about 10 yards off. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
4: Just,
2: like it just, it felt, I mean, I get it. The, the Lions didn't put up a, a crap ton of points this week, but it just, mm-hmm. it, it just, it, it feels like it was just all like the critical moments they always call the wrong play.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I th- and, and I think some of that, I don't know if it's, it, I think it's more, <laughs> see, it, it, it's six and one half dozen, the other you're calling the wrong play or you're playing the call wrong. <laughs> you're not passing the stuff off correctly. Either way, something's going poorly. Um, and, and I, one of the things I brought up, I know you said like they, they're kind of been playing a little better after the buy, as far as my numbers perspective and some of that's the teams, but I was on a, a preview podcast with, um, Ryan and and Jeremy over at Pride of Detroit leading up to the game. And the way the way I was talking about it was Joe Barry was just he was bullied into playing this way. His players went to him and said, "You need to put me on this man. We need to do this." And he said, "Yes, sir. Right away, sir." Like this wasn't Joe Barry being Joe Barry. This was Joe Barry being bullied by his players into changing his defense by his, by his own account. He's not going to do that by himself. So I don't know how. I yeah, feel but about if it was fourth and
2: three, Joe Barry would have called them to be like twelve yards off.
3: Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't really like a defensive coordinator that like to change. He needs to be bullied by his players into changing. Okay. Like that Fair. doesn't make me feel Fair good fruit. about the defensive coordinator. Um, all right, move on to the next one. And Sarah, we'll go to you on this one. So he said they're getting together, as far as Aaron Rodgers, they said they're getting together sometime this week with Rodgers. Uh, now, this is something they do every year. I mean, most players, pretty much every player does it. They do the, the exit interview stuff. But he said, you know, sometime this week they're going through with Rodgers. He didn't get too much more in-depth on that. Um, Pat McAfee talked about it a bit because there was no Aaron Rodgers Tuesday today, which is why we're not talking about it. But he did talk about that a little bit today. So, Sarah, what was kind of the rundown there?
4: Yeah, I mean, it was short and sweet. Um, he basically said, no Aaron Rodgers Tuesday today because he's meeting with the Packers today, meaning Tuesday. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, yesterday and um, on Wednesday. So Rodgers is meeting with the Packers Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Um, like you said, Dusty, this seems at least the last few years um, like something that they do on an annual basis. But I'm sure that the question of, you know, what what are you thinking? You know, <laughs> What's on your mind, Aaron, is going to come up. Um, And Pat McAfee did say we're going to have a lot of answers on what the future looks like for Aaron Rodgers next Tuesday. So there will be an Aaron Rodgers Tuesday next week on the Pat McAfee show, and it looks like that we'll find out more about what those conversations were and potentially, and I'm keyword potentially, his decision. This was not promised, but it was alluded to. I I think that it's very possible that Rodgers could um, get on Pat McAfee next week and say, oh, you know, we just talked about the season and how things went. It was only a couple days since we lost, so I'm still processing the emotions and going to give myself some time before I make a final decision. But we had a good talk about what the future could look like and what we need to do to improve. I think that's a very possible outcome, but we'll see. I am very curious to just – see what he actually shares and if he gives us any insight um, since we know that those are conversations that he really fought to be in and is proud to be a part of now.
3: Yeah. And I think he said something to the effect as well of like, he'll be talking to us. It's possible he'll be talking to people ahead of time as well. So he he didn't, he definitely, he certainly wasn't. And and based on how he started it with where they said there was going to be an Aaron Rodgers Tuesday today and there was not, or yesterday, I guess uh, it sounded like maybe he was hedging a little um, But, yeah, it, be curious to see kind of what comes out of that. I, My gut feeling is telling me it, it is going to be kind of more of the latter, Sarah, where it's going to be kind of more – Uh, you know, we talked about a lot of things. There's still a lot of stuff up in the air, but uh, I don't know, man. You watch Rodgers and Cobb walk down the tunnel together, and I think he's feeling maybe a certain type of way. So uh, we'll see, but that should be definitely something we'll be tuning into and talking about next week. Um, The next thing is going to be – he talked about Bakhtiari. Um, sounds like he wants Bakhtiari back. His quote was – <laughs> There's a whole lot of like couching in different kind of phrases here. I thought once we got him back out on a consistent basis, once we learned how best to practice him, once we learned how once he learned how to do that for himself, I thought he played at a pretty high level. Kind of a strange quote. I actually looked up. So PFF actually had him at eighty eighty seven point eight pass blocking grade on the year, which is the fifth best tackle uh, in the league, pe- fifth best uh, pass blocking tackle in the league. And I mean, that showed you. You watch him on the field, and it seemed like he played well when he was out there. Um, I think they, you know, they can save some money. I can't remember exactly how much cutting him, but I don't know after after this year and everything. Kind of that happened early, and and how he finished late and all that. Steve, how what are your what are your thoughts on uh, Bakhtiari?
2: I mean, I think you want him back. He he showed when healthy and when – kind of like what Aaron Rodgers said, when they figured out how to practice him the right way, you know, giving him some veteran days off and, you know, making sure he wasn't too gassed. Like, he he held up unbelievably well, like a top five left tackle in the league. And he's aging. We all know that. But let's say, A, they move on from Aaron Rodgers or he retires and you have Jordan Love. I want to, as a Packers fan, I want a top tier offensive line for Jordan Love then. And, and then B, if Aaron Rodgers stays and he is aging and he is not as mobile as he has always been, I definitely want a top tier left tackle for the Green Bay Packers. So I think there's other moves that they can make. Um, as much as I love Aaron Jones, I feel like that's probably a move that they could make to kind of save some money right away and keep Bakhtiari around. So yeah, to me, I think one way or the other, I my hope is that David Bakhtiari is back with the Packers. Um, maybe there's a little fine tuning of the money, but if I if I'm David Bakhtiari, I probably don't want to do that. So uh, that's me thinking as a Packers fan. So yeah, I would say bring him back as much as humanly possible.
3: Yeah, and I, j- I just looked it up while you are talking, Steve. So next year he has a cap hit of twenty nine million with a dead cap of twenty three. So you do save roughly six million if you cut him. Twenty twenty four is kind of the bigger year. He's a cap hit of thirty two million with dead cap of of twelve. Basically, so you're saving twenty million in twenty twenty four. So yeah, I'm I'm absolutely all in on twenty twenty three because like you said, he, he's been playing at a high level when he's out there, and it seemed like you know. <laughs> the the knee was fine after the appendicitis, which that's not going to flare up again. Um, He was, he was solid and there was not really any concerns with, with uh, durability after that. So I'm, I'm certainly all in on him as well. Um, One of the, one of the other points here, uh, this kind of goes back. He didn't say it. Well, he talked about Quay Walker a little bit and he did say like, He's like, I, I don't, he's like, it was something like, I don't agree with the action, but I'm not going to condemn the man or something like that. I know Quay walked out, uh, talked to the trainer that, that he shoved and apologized. And Matt LaFleur said that that showed great character and they're working with him. He did mention, uh, he said they're, they're going to work this spring to keep emotions in check. He said it's obviously going to be a huge emphasis. I would say going into next season about how we handle ourselves. Because ultimately, it not only it looks bad, obviously, but it hurts the team and we can't have it. I mean, this is so it's, a, it's the second time for Quay because he shoved the guy in the Bills game as well. The practice squad player on the sideline. Uh, you had the weird Rasul Douglas <laughs> picking up a ball. Before a field goal attempt and then getting pushed which he should have expected you don't and want anybody in
2: that free field goal attempt Dougie. it's so you don't dumb want him to have like,
3: a free field goal attempt. that's the thing the grabbing the ball is weird and that's kind of a strange move but i get it but you have to assume you're going to get shoved so the retaliation was weird so that was kind of a weird breakdown in this game and again a couple times that we don't necessarily see from the packers so it's not nice to see that and the last the last thing here I can't remember if he said it in the press conference. It definitely is reported elsewhere. It sounds like Lafleur is open to a reunion with Nathaniel Hackett, obviously fired from the Broncos as head coach before the season was done. Said something to the effect of, he's, you know, Hackett's going to spend time with his family and all of that, and then we'll have some conversations. We'll likely have some conversations. It sounds like he would be welcome back if there if was there. So get both of you guys on this one, Sarah what would your thoughts be on on Hackett back in Green Bay as offensive coordinator or just some kind of, I don't know, consulting role? Whatever tag they want to put, how would you feel about him back in Green Bay?
4: Yeah, I'd be cool with it. Um, I think that Hackett is somebody, you know, there are simply some people, and this is, you know, I don't want to sound harsh, but I think there are some people that are – meant to be head coaches and some people that are just meant to be coordinators and Hackett is someone that you know after we saw the season in Denver that is probably just meant to be a coordinator and guess what he was a damn good coordinator when he was with the Packers and when he was in Jacksonville so if they have the opportunity to bring him back in an advisory type role like that maybe he can come back and call the plays LaFleur had alluded to you know or not even alluded, but he had mentioned that he'd considered maybe giving that responsibility up. If you bring a guy back like Hackett, who's familiar with the system that we know LaFleur trusts, then that's a great opportunity to hand play calling off to him. If Rodgers is coming back, let's say, even better. We know Rodgers is a big fan of Hackett. They have a great relationship. They trust each other. And even if Rodgers doesn't come back, there are a lot of guys on that offense, particularly on the line and in the backfield, that are familiar with Hackett and know him. And it would be an easier adjustment if they're, you know, getting used to a new offense with a, a new quarterback. So I'm all for it. I think there are definitely positives, especially since he's familiar with the system and really well liked by staff and team.
2: Steve, where are you at with it? I mean, they can't get worse in the red zone, right? <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Can they? Can they? No. I mean, he was so good and like, had a such a good mind. Like, I really agree with what Sarah said. Like I've I've said that I know on multiple occasions to, to friends, whatever people listening of, there are some people that are really meant to be coordinators and that's all. They're really good at that. And then all of a sudden you get the whole spectrum of trying to run an entire team and then you lose focus of what's important. So uh, do I think Nathaniel Haggard got a fair shake as their, as their head coach? No, absolutely not. You know, getting less than a year in a program and a Russell Wilson who is not performing the way he normally did, I think he got the rod into the deal. But if he's willing to come back and wants to be, you know, not an offensive coordinator but just a contributor while he's looking for his next gig, absolutely welcome him back with open arms. Um, you know, I think that's absolutely a move that the Packers should make.
3: Yeah, so the Packers finished the year 24th in uh, touchdown percentage in the red zone, scoring touchdowns on 51.85%. They were 57.5% the previous year, and, like, I don't know, 78% the prior year or something like that. Uh, Do you want to guess who the last team was, the worst team in the league at scoring touchdowns in the red zone? Steve, go with you.
2: Half of me wants to say the Lions just because they just played them, but I feel like there's some weird
3: answer here. It the is Vikings. Vikings. No, Sarah. Uh,
4: no, is it the Broncos? Cause we just talked about Nathaniel. Hackett. It's
3: not, that would be fun, <laughs> but it's not, it is the new England Patriots. So the Packers were scoring uh-huh. touchdowns at 51.8% of their drives in the red zone. The Patriots, 42%, 42% of their drives into the red zone. Ended with a touchdown. That is, that is terrible. The Lions are actually fourth. The Lions are a very good red zone team this year. Um, anyway that was a fun little fun little walk there good nugget good little nugget um all right well i mean that's pretty much it uh we're 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 done here as far as talking about (laughs) this game and the Lafleur press conference we'll have a lot more to talk about next week with uh you know rogers going back to mcafee for now we asked for questions we didn't get a ton i think a lot of people kind of don't want to talk about this game anymore we got four or five but they're all pretty good so sarah what do we got on the question front this week
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
4: Sure. So our first question's from Ray Dempster, and they actually um, tagged us in a video of Mike LaFleur. Um, talking about how Zach Wilson um, would have benefited from sitting and learning behind a veteran quarterback. It's about a minute and a half long clip, so if you want to watch it before you listen to this, um, it's in my likes, so go ahead and check that out. Um, And he asked, you know, considering – and so let me go back here. Basically in this clip, Mike LaFleur is saying that – he thinks that Zach Wilson could have benefited from a situation like Green Bay has had um, in the past and right now. So he said, you know, Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre. Jordan Love is sitting behind Aaron Rodgers right now. And in for lack of better terms, he basically said, you know, from the words that I'm hearing, um, but, you know, I'm not there every single day, so I don't know, but I'm hearing – um, that Jordan Love has improved significantly in the past three years, and has really benefited from learning from a veteran quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. And he believes that Zach Wilson, um, you know, could have benefited from a similar situation. So, some insight there, you know, maybe brother to brother, to brother talk um, about you know Jordan Love's improvements and just how he's looking overall. Um, and so Ray tagged us in that video and then asked. Considering insight like this from a pretty reliable source on what Matt Lafleur thinks of Love's development, and seeing what San Francisco is doing in a similar system with Mister Irrelevant, uh, with Brock Purdy at the controls, how eager do you think Coach is ready to move on at quarterback? So, Steve, what do you think about this?
2: Uh, I can't say that he's eager to move on to Jordan Love. I mean, he still has Aaron Rodgers. I think that was one of the first questions he was asked: Is do you want Aaron Rodgers back? And as his- I believe it was just absolutely, like, I want Aaron Rodgers back. Like, that's when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, a, you know, obviously he's not going to be MVP this year, but a reigning two-time MVP, like, you want that guy back. So I think there's a big conflicting feeling probably with him because he's seen Jordan Love's improvement, and I think we've all started to see that a little bit, but he's got a better eye on it. Um. So I'm sure he's conflicted on some level, but he's he's gonna toe the line like the 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 company line of if Aaron watch if Aaron Rodgers wants to come back, we want him back.
3: Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I, I don't I, – you hate to speak for him because we don't know a lot of things going on in that building, but I don't think he's eager to move on. I think that's that's projection from fans would be my guess more than anything as far as like fans that don't want to see him run anymore and are saying like, well, well, if he just ran the system – listen, man, like there's things Rogers does outside the system for sure. I think Rogers runs the system more than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, so I think – yeah, I don't, I don't think he's eager to move on. I think LaFord very much uh, appreciates and respects – uh, Rogers, the football player and the football mind. I mean, for for all for everything, and he you know he he'll miss some throws and he missed some reads occasionally. But uh, for everything you want to say about the guy, like a football savant, like understands the game better than just about anyone. Um, incredibly smart. I think Lafleur really really respects that. And I think he likes. Uh, I think Lafleur, as a younger head coach, you know now just finishing his fourth year, kind of likes maybe being challenged in that way by a guy who kind of knows about the system. He probably knows at least feels like he knows more about football than LaFleur. I think he enjoys kind of those conversations getting pushed a bit. So I could be wrong there, but yeah, I don't, I I think if it is down to love, I think he would be okay with that because I think he, I think he likes love. It's tough to say because they've not said specifically how they feel about him, but I don't, I don't think he's eager to move on from Aaron Rodgers.
4: Yeah, I think you both said it well. Um, is there is Love talented and would LaFleur enjoy the challenge of working with him? Sure, I think absolutely. And if Rodgers decides to retire or whatever he decides to do, um, I think they're confident that they could succeed. But we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. This is a future Hall of Famer, an absolute legend um, in Green Bay. And Dusty, I absolutely agree that Matt LaFleur likes having Rodgers there. And You know, it's honestly probably a little bit of a safety net saying, "Okay, if all else fails, I have number 12 on our team and he is the leader of our team and he can help us win games. I know that that wasn't necessarily the case this year. There were a lot of factors at play, injuries um, and just who knows what else. But, you know, in most years and in the years so far that Lafleur has been the coach, he can rely on him to, to get the team out of tough situations and and help win. All right. Our next question is from Matt Pickett. Uh, Two-part question. There are a lot of contributing factors to the quote-unquote failure of this season. Which one do you think was the biggest? And then on the flip side, what was the best thing to come out of this season? Um, So I I guess I'll start. We'll we'll reverse it. So on the the best thing to come out of this season, I think, is Keyshawn Nixon. With Without a doubt, the Packers figuring out what to do um, in the return game was just a breath of fresh air. I mean, we've talked about it time and time again, how when I was writing for Cheesehead TV every single week, what went wrong? Special teams. So uh, it was nice to see that that went right a lot more um, this season. I mean, that 101-yard return and – You know, even when he was hurt, he was still able to get um, decent field position for the Packers. So I definitely think that that he was the best thing to come out of the season. Um, And what do I think was the biggest failure of this season? Um, I talked about it a little bit before, but I think it's just the lack of discipline on the defense was the absolute backbone and I'm not just talking you know behavior wise with some of the things Dusty mentioned you know pushing athletic trainers punching guys getting into fights and you know making just really inappropriate and dumb moves there but there are just times where the defense was getting absolutely beat up and they needed somebody or they needed a group of guys to come together and say let's try to fix this and over and over and over again it just felt like that they weren't a a cohesive unit, that they weren't together. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that really ended up biting the Packers in the butt. Um, you could honestly probably say some that same thing for the offense a little bit, but I just think that they're a little bit more of a tight-knit group and the defense was a bit more undisciplined than they were.
3: Yeah, I think for me, just lack of consistency, probably on both sides of the ball. Just The, the offense just – it was herky-jerky. If you look at the numbers, like Football Outsiders had them 11th on offense. They are 14th in passing, 5th in rushing. They did not feel that high. Now, to be fair, there weren't a whole lot of really good offenses in the league, like right behind them with Baltimore and the Falcons, who were not exactly setting the league on fire. So I think that's part of it. You know, sometimes I know for me, I try, I, I get very much into – uh, tunnel vision on the Packers and and you judge based on what you're seeing and based on past years but really across the league this year offenses have not been doing that well and so them being 11th on offense I think is, is maybe less praise for them and more an indictment on the rest of the league as far as where, they, where they're all offensively but it was a little more herky-jerky than we've seen in the past some some good plays but a lot of times the offense just felt tough they didn't really have I mean Devontae wasn't there It felt like you know they're feeling their way through the season in a way they had not had to before. And they just, they had a really hard time even when Dobbs was getting on the field and Dobbs and Watson were healthy. It still felt like they were trying to operate in a way or they, in a way that wasn't, really working for them on a consistent basis. So I think for me, that was the, the failure was just lacking consistency on both sides of the ball. The, the offense would have stretches. they really looked amazing and stretches would really look terrible. And the defense just would have stretches where they really look good. And then other times where it just seemed like they, they could not stop a single person if their life depended on it. So I think that was the biggest failure. And, and the flip side, uh, the best thing to come out of the season, Christian Watson looks like a dude, man, like, exactly what I hoped he would get him to be when they drafted him. And we got to see, you know, a couple just high, high moments, uh, you know, the, the Cowboys and Eagles games and stuff like that. But we saw some more nuance in his game. I think that people gave him credit for out of college. Uh, and I, just just seeing what he was able to do in his rookie years at one, and he got healthy, could not be more excited about his future. See, what about you? I think the biggest
2: disappointment for me, biggest failure, I feel like it was the offensive line. I feel like there were so many injuries. Like this was an a area that we thought was going into it was going to be a huge strength for the Packers. And then, you know, throwing Bakhtiari not being back when we all thought he would, um, Elton Jenkins just not performing the way we thought he would, and just always shuffling, um, you know, Myers not playing up to his potential, so many different things where we thought this was going to be such a strong suit and the Packers running game was going to be amazing – Packers pass protection was going to be amazing. It just never lived up to that. And there was always a shuffle and there was always moving things around. And Josh Nyman was going to be a great right tackle. And then he has to get replaced with Zach Tom because he couldn't hold up against Hutchinson in the last game of the year, like so many different things over and over and over. And again, like just a thing that we thought was going to be such a strong suit for them that they never solidified anything. And I think that was a really big thing. Um, if you have that strong offensive line going into the season and starting the season, like that's going to be a a huge thing and that helps your offense, but man, they just, they never had that figured out. And from that, from that end, I think it was a reason that their offense struggled. So there was that. And then the biggest surprise, biggest, uh, you know, thing that I was really impressed with, I think to go along with Watson, like Dusty said, that's, that's Romeo Dobbs, Samari Torre, like, this Packers wide receiver group that we all had no clue what it was going to look like going into the season. Like there was so many question marks. This feels like a really good thing going forward. Like I already know that there's jokes and little things that uh, DeAndre Hopkins is available. And man, if you could add somebody like that to the Packers, maybe I don't know, trade a third round pick because the Texans are crazy. Um, Trade a third round pick for him and second round pick for him and bring him into that group. Holy crap, that'd be amazing. Whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, like you get that veteran presence and those young kids that can, you know, have a lot to improve on. But man, if they're lo- if they're learning from Nuke, oh my god, like that's that's amazing. But those two, those three kids, really taking a step forward as rookies when most of the time Aaron Rodgers is not willing to throw to rookies. Man, that was a really big surprise and I think a, a huge development for the Packers.
4: For sure. All right, our next question is from Joe Scalora, and they want to know, I find myself wondering about the lack of physicality and toughness on this team. Is it coaching, the kind of players the front office picks, both? LaFleur worked under Vrabel and has seen that in action. How do we get that identity, and do we need it? So, Dusty, what do you think about this? I think
3: the whole, I I don't. I personally do not agree with the whole like lack of toughness, blah blah blah. I think I think defensively, I think they could play with more aggression. To me, uh, aggression and toughness are two entirely different things. We're talking about how you how you play defense, how you play offense. I mean, like if you just look at this past game, like past couple games, even like were you wondering about the toughness when Jair blew up a man who tried to hurdle him when they were suplexing a guy a couple games ago, and the uh, offensive side when you got the entire wide receiver group, including rookies fully committed to run blocking which i mean christian watson you know second round pick going hopefully going to be a superstar in this league and he was good at that ndsu so you got that going for him but completely committed lazard's basically a tight end dobbs is out there doing it cobb's still doing it at his age you got deguara in the backfield blowing guys up leading uh leading through the hole like to me it's it's I don't know. I, th- I think the the whole toughness thing. I I've never bought into that. I think that's that's something as far as well, the Packers are soft. First, first of all, first of all, a lot of that going on in slight tangent here. A lot of that conversation seems to stem from if they get uh, that the, everyone says well if they get punched in the mouth they don't come back. Dude, they were four and eight. They were four and eight this year. Even beyond that, they went down thirteen nothing against the Eagles. They could have folded. They came back and made a game out of that. I mean, you get this year more than any other year. I think they get punched in the mouth, they then they and they can't come back. I think that narrative's dead. I think that narrative is always always overblown. I think that narrative is dead. I think as far as toughness, I think it's the same thing. I don't see a problem with their toughness. Again, I think they can play more aggressive on defense. And to me, that's more an issue with the coaching on the defensive side of the ball. Because you get the it, you get guys there's a book, uh, Fritz Schirmer, the, the former Packers defensive coordinator, the guy who was with him when they won in 96. He wrote a book, and I, it's one of my favorite football books. And he talks about coaching defense and how one of the biggest things is playing aggressive, making it, you know, complex enough to basically like uh, this game has to be complex enough to you can account for these different things, but it has to be simple enough where you can play aggressive. Because if you're not playing aggressive, if you're not playing downhill, you're thinking, and that moment you're thinking, that moment you're playing slow, bad things happen. So I think a lot of times that playing slow on the defensive side is, is being equated with not playing tough. I don't think that's the case. I think you've got guys on this team who are not afraid to hit are not afraid to come downhill. I just think there's, I think there's just a lack of aggression because of some of the coaching where guys are not quite sure where they're supposed to be. So I think for me, I think that's where it comes from. I think they need, and that's why I kind of more than anything, more than the calls, more than anyways, it's the way they're playing on defense. That's kind of one of the reasons I I do not want Barry around anymore, just because I feel like that, that mindset, that aggression the, the aggressive mindset, as far as playing downhill, I think he doesn't have. So I, I, yeah, maybe I'm the wrong person to ask this question. Cause I don't really see a problem with, with the toughness. I think it's, it's some coaching on aggression on defense, but I think that's about it.
2: Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Like, I, I don't think it's the aggression. They, they need like, Maybe they need one more – they need a thumper in, like, the back end or, you know, you got Quay and, and Devondre Campbell who can and run sideline to sideline. But you need the guy in the middle who can really lay the pipe. Like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I, I mean, I, I honestly really agree with Dusty. Like, I think you need a coach that can come in and, and teach – smart aggression like you just you got to get rid of the stupid stuff that they've been doing this whole year of like just untimely penalties uh just stupid aggression like that's the stuff you need to get rid of and all of a sudden like this team like that defense is a little bit better Uh, and I think that's where it lies like I think you got the players on the defensive side of the ball like you've got maulers on the offensive line um but it's it's getting them coached up right where they're just not doing stupid stuff and I think it, like the pieces are there, and I think you coach them up right. I think the Packers will be okay.
4: So speaking of that, our next question—perfect segue—from uh, at JTrain thirty-three, and they want to know what changes, if any, should be made to the Packer staff, and who would your ideal candidate be? So, Steve, do you have anyone particular in mind when you say that?
2: I mean, I think that's, t- to me, it's tough. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't studied enough of, like, who I would want to bring in. Honestly, like, I don't feel like there's a guy internally on the Packers squad uh, coaching staff that I really want to promote right away into Joe Barry's spot. Um, you know, the Ram, like, I'd be intrigued um, by some of the Ram staff just because I know sounds like uh, <laughs> Sean McVay's on his way out and he is going to be letting everybody have free reign to go interview wherever they want to go, Um, and that's one year removed from a Super Bowl. So it'd be intriguing, but, again, I don't think, to me, I don't know enough um, to point point out a specific person that uh, I would want. So, yeah, I think I know I don't want Joe Barry. I don't have a name, and that's always a – Answer I like to give of hey, like if you want somebody fired, give me a name. So I'm just gonna kind of recuse myself from that one and not uh, speak out of turn.
3: And so I'll say, I mean, off I got a couple from both sides of the ball actually. On the offensive side, we already talked about Hackett. I'd, I'd be fine with him coming back. Scott Turner just got fired by Washington. That's that's North Turner's kid. I don't know that I want him as necessarily offensive coordinator or play caller, certainly not play caller. Uh, But I think what they did offensively, especially with, with the way they use some of their running backs in the passing game was really intriguing. I know the floor talked about, you know, keeping guys together and you've got some you know d- different things you can do as far as like troubleshooting and working together but there's also something we said for like a new voice in the room and i think a guy like scott turner and what he could bring in terms of ideas for how to stretch the field vertically you know he's north turner's kid after all specifically stretch the field vertically and some of the receiving game with the with the running backs i think would be nice to have that voice in the room again not as like a play caller but as you know i don't know what role you put him in but his offense was intriguing and the defensive side. I mean, the big name for me is Jim Leonard. Um, You know, he's, he's done at Wisconsin. I don't really know what his future is. And that's a guy who's, you know, he's a a guy that came up under Patton. So I know a lot of people kind of cringe at that a little bit, but to me, he kind of encapsulate a lot of what I just talked about this, you know, the, the scheme stuff, whatever I've talked about that before the scheme, a lot of guys, guys are pretty much running everything at this point. It's more the coaching and you watch those Wisconsin defenses. They're consistently playing fast. They're, they're flowing to the ball. They're hitting, I mean, just all of the stuff that, that kind of other hallmarks of a well-coached team. So i go Leonard and the other guy, and he's getting some looked head coaching jobs now, so I don't know, is Evero, who was, was my pick a couple of years ago before they hired Barry. Evero was, I think, pass game coordinator, and then he was safeties coach under Brandon Staley uh, that one year with the Rams. And then he's, he went and got the D.C. job. Uh, he's, he was a best man in Nathaniel Hackett's wedding. So he's been, he's been the D.C. in Denver this past year tremendous job like uh, they've had they had a great defense this year i think he's 40 so he's kind of you know an up-and-coming guy he's getting interviews for head coaching jobs with the broncos the texans and the colts so you know maybe he gets a head coaching job maybe he doesn't want to leave denver because he's still employed there but you don't know what that next head coach is going to want to do Uh, but i think if you can get a guy like evero who has shown you know, maybe he's not, he's not going to be with you for more than like a year or something, a year or two potentially, but he has shown what he can do up and coming guy. I think if you can get him and then say like, listen, we'll give you an assistant head coach tag on that as well. So it doesn't feel like a lateral move to get him in the building to coach those guys up. I think that'd be, that'd be a slam dunk hire right there.
4: And our last question, another two-part question. Uh, number one, what is your biggest disappointment from this season? And then number two, who were your celebrity crushes growing up? So we kind of already oh. answered number one uh, with biggest failures. So let's just have some fun uh, to close the episode. And Dusty, will or Steve, since Dusty just talked for a little bit, who were your celebrity crushes growing up?
2: So like, uh, do I only get one? Like I have to narrow it, it down? Says is crushes, it says crushes, plural. Crushes? Okay, good, good. Because I'm going to tell you, there's, there, there were multiple. Because, you know, starting off with Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell, like that was like every dude's straight up crush. And then Topanga from boy, Me- boy Meets World, that was another one. And then while we were discussing all this, I started looking stuff up. And then I had to remember like the first time I ever had like boy feelings uh, was seeing, Sydney uh, Crawford drinking a Pepsi <laughs> from the uh, Super Bowl commercial. I don't yeah, I want to
3: hear boy feelings out of your mouth again, Steve. I'm ever <laughs> want to hear that phrase. I was
2: trying to think of a very like creative, like non weird way to say it, but boy feelings probably sounds worse. It does, uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the first time. The first time I was like, "Whoa, Pepsi's
3: cool." <laughs> uh, listen. All good choices. All good choices. Um, I'm going to go. Uh, I go uh, Judith Hogue Ju- Judith Hogue was April O'Neil in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Watch that movie a lot as a child. Um, go a little off book here and go uh, Chitara from the Thundercats. I don't know if that counts as a celebrity. Hmm. <laughs> we'll throw her out there. And lastly, uh, you, you, you put a supermodel in yours. We'll do mine as well. We'll do Kathy Ireland uh, because I saw Necessary Roughness as a young man and, uh, Two helmets, and she's yep. she is she is quite good she's that first of all a fun movie that's just that's a oh, fun that's a great movie, movie overall great movie. And she's tremendous in that so sarah what you got
4: uh for me growing up uh definitely had a couple so logan lerman who played percy jackson in the percy jackson movies i was obviously obsessed with the book i know the movie isn't very good but he was great thought he looked great. Um, he's still great. He was actually in bullet train. Uh, that was like one of his most recent movies. Um, and then, you know, the typical Justin Bieber growing up, but of course now I've, I've matured and, you know, I, I still consider myself a kid. So, uh, Chris Evans is just number one, not even close, was absolutely thrilled that he won people's sexiest man alive in 2022 because it's a, it was about time. Uh, it's probably the first magazine that I've bought in years. Um, it's sitting right behind me on my coffee table, and I have no shame. So uh, Dusty just shook his head in absolute disbelief, <laughs> and I don't think I've ever disappointed him more than in that moment. But it's fine, you know. I I'm gonna be a fan. No, and... no
2: Sarah, no, there's no disappointment whatsoever.
3: He's yeah. a very handsome man.
4: He's he a very yes. handsome man. Yes, that's America's ass. Like you have no shame it, yeah, in that whatsoever. True. Mm-hmm. Yep, they they put that line in there just for me. They knew. So, um <laughs> All righty. Well, that will wrap it up for this week's episode. Uh Steve, any final thoughts before we close? Uh
2: not too much. Just um an overall appreciation for everybody that listens. Like it's another season um that the Packers are done with and we absolutely love the fact that you guys want to hear our thoughts on this and, you know, actively will send us questions and, and want to know what we think about the Packers and what's going on in the NFL. So thank you guys so much for listening. We, we can't do this show without you guys. So um, all that interaction, everything that you guys always send us, whether it's questions, whether it's comments, uh, cookies and candy is also appreciated the times that that's come through as well. So Thank you guys for everything. Um, obviously, the season wasn't the way that every Packer fan wanted it to go, but honestly, it's it's a fun ride every year, and I love doing this. And I I can't wait till uh, till next season and we get to start uh, talking legit Packers football again.
3: Yeah. And for me, I've got, you know, stuff I'm writing. I've got a cheesehead article uh, out uh, today, uh, a little later this afternoon, that's going to be on, you know, kind of the passing game against the lions and I dug into the strike concept, which I've talked about a lot this year, but the Packers uh, used it three or four times. So I walked through three instances of that against the lions and kind of show how the lions went to take it away in that first instance, and then how the Packers uh, adjusted their approach after that. So that was kind of a fun look. Um, I'm looking to do something for pack report on an all go concept. Uh, It's (laughs) i you know what once it gets this time of year and it's it's the last game of the season um i'm i'm still interested in this stuff and i'm going to be putting stuff out but uh it's it's harder to uh, harder to get motivated and i think it's tougher for people to read some of this and so uh, a little slower out the gate with some of the packer report stuff and probably some fewer videos this week but yeah i mean to echo steve's thoughts you know thanks thanks to everyone who listens obviously we're not going anywhere we're going to be here every week during the off season um which you know, the, the, there's there's lulls there, but we always find a way to keep it fun. So we appreciate everyone for that listened to us this entire season, and and that's going to keep with us during the off season, hopefully, um, because yeah, like you said, if. if- I mean, I guess if you guys weren't listening, we'd still be doing this, but at a certain point, Andy would pull the plug because no one's listening. So uh, so yeah, we appreciate you guys listening and all the feedback and interaction and questions that we get. And like you said, cookies and candy as well. So thank you guys so much for another, listen, up and down season, but still a fun season and we had a blast talking. So uh, so thank you guys so much for for listening. We really appreciate it.
4: Yeah, everything these two guys said, I mean, it, I said at the beginning of the episode, it we wait all year for these eighteen weeks, and then they just absolutely fly by. I mean, the national championship for college football was the other day. Hard to believe that college football is over, and before we know it, the NFL season will be over too. So, um, although the Packers uh, aren't in it anymore, um, I think that there's going to be some spectacular playoff games, and we'll definitely, you know, talk about those. And um, you know, maybe leading up to the Super Bowl, do some predictions, but. Now, well, thank you all, as always, for listening. It's been a ton of fun. You know, not the, the best season ever, um, but we made the most of it and had a good time, and a lot of that is thanks to you. So uh, with that, we'll see you next week with potential news on Aaron Rodgers' future. Um, and as always, you can follow us on Twitter, at SarahKellher4, at Dusty Evely, at Steve Burhatch, and at pack Podcast. We will talk to you next week. And as always, go pack up.